Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and boy, do I have a lot to learn. I have been promoting uh, this hour on the Old Testament series, and the person we're talking about today, I've been saying Jehoiada, <laughs> and apparently it's Jehoiada. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let me ask you, Yehider, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't even hazarded a guess, but you're right. We're learning here in real time that, that we've had this name wrong altogether. And you want to talk about an obscure Old Testament figure. This mm-hmm. is I know nothing about this story, literally nothing well, about this story. We're going to learn a lot. Dr. Mark Muska is our guest today, and we're going to talk about Jehoiada. Uh, Mark, we're going to... Um, we're going to know a lot in an hour that we didn't know when we started. So thank you for taking time to do this. Hope so. Yeah. 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 So let's uh, start with some of the basics. Well, you jump into the Old Testament like this. You got to have a little context of where you jumped in, where the splash was. And yeah. it takes a little while with this character because the short answer is he lived in the middle to late 800s B.C., and we could go on from there, but nobody knows what that means. <laughs> and so, but it really is significant because you have to look at Old Testament itself, that the Old Testament's the story of God's covenant relationship with these people, Israel. And it starts in Genesis when he promises Abraham, the father of Israel, that he's going to bless Abraham and make a great nation out of him and bless that nation. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. And uh, we claim that because Jesus is named the son of Abraham in Matthew 1.1, and he is the one who fulfills that blessing of all humanity. But then there's other covenants or promises that God makes to this nation, big time with Moses. Everybody loves watching the Ten Commandments and seeing what happens there. But this is where God makes Israel his covenant or promised nation. Uh, He's never done this with another nation in human history that he promised to be their king and that they would be his people. And that takes place about uh, 1,500 years before Jesus. And so the rest of the Old Testament story is really a story of these people. And uh, another terrifically important thing happens about 1,000 years later when the uh, monarchy is established in Israel and the man who comes to the throne is a name that we all recognize as King David. Uh, he's a man after God's own heart. He really distinguished himself. And in Second Samuel 7, God promised to David that one of his ancestors would rule upon the throne of Israel forever, a permanent promise. And this, if we jump to the New Testament, this is fulfilled again with the Lord Jesus Christ. That same passage in Matthew 1.1, when it says Jesus, the son of Abraham, it says the son of David. And that is a title for the Messiah. The Messiah, son of David, is a royal title. That means he is the king of Israel. So David is the first of these, and then his son Solomon comes to the throne. But then things get a little dicey because Solomon wanders from the Lord, and because of that, the nation of Israel splits. And I'm going to lose half the audience here if you're not listening carefully, because the nation splits into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom keeps the name Israel. 
And the southern kingdom takes the name Judah after the tribe of Judah. And that's the the southern kingdom. David is from the tribe of Judah. So this is where the crown, the eternal kingdom, is going to go through Judah and not this northern kingdom, Israel. And uh, this happens in about 900, 931. And uh, this northern kingdom, its whole existence is idolatrous and rebellious. They exist for about 200 years until God is fed up with them, and he brings in the Assyrian Empire and destroys them, and they never come back. They're taken away, and that's it for the northern kingdom. And and there's never a king in that northern kingdom that is described as good in the eyes of the Lord. If I have that right, Samaria is the capital, and yeah, they just are idolatrous Mm -hmm. to to your point all the way through. Well, some of them do some good things. Uh, we we got to be careful not to paint it in complete black and white because some of the kings in in Israel they would do some good things but they were idolatrous right from the start Jeroboam uh, in fact the Old Testament calls the sin of Jeroboam idolatry and it was just passed on through all those generations so anyway the Northern Kingdom was destroyed in 722 and then many people are aware of Daniel's times in the 500s when Judah the southern kingdom wasn't destroyed it was exiled to Babylon that's where we get the stories about Nebuchadnezzar and all the things that happened in Daniel and they came back from that exile though so we're in the 800s so if you look the kingdom has split in the 900s but Israel's still around the northern kingdom they don't go until 722. So in the 850 to 825, this is where Jehoiada comes on the scene, okay? And it's really tricky to read this. In fact, a lot of Christians get their ball lost in the weeds because the way that these books are written in the Old Testament, they write it in what's a literary style of interchange. And you know what that is? That's when the story jumps back and forth. Very common thing in narratives where it will tell you the story about somebody and then it'll say, but at the same time, and then it'll tell you a story about somebody else. The The Lord of the Rings was famous for this, where mm. they would have a, a part of the story about Frodo and uh, his uh, his buddy, what was his name? Sam. Again? Yeah, Sam. But then it would jump to the future king of Israel, and then it would come back to them. Well, the writer of Kings and of Chronicles will talk about Israel for a while, and then it's like he says, but then in Judah this was happening, and in the southern kingdom. And you get your ball lost in the weeds in a hurry if you don't keep that straight. <laughs> well, I appreciate you personalizing it for Peter, uh, your analogy, because that's how he golfs. That's his, a, his yeah. ball's always in the weeds. Yeah, yeah. that's a very very familiar yeah. visual at this yeah. point. Yeah, so thank you. Know you. Yeah, like. I do. <laughs> very much. So, uh, but so anyway, we're interested in the southern kingdom. If it helps people to remember that the southern kingdom of Judah is the promised kingdom, this is the one that keeps the line of David. This is where we get the word Jew today, because Jew is shortened for Judah. So the Jews are descended mostly from the tribe of Judah, although there are Jews from other tribes as well. Anyway, now we come to Jehoiada's times, and it gets really dicey because the northern kings really struggle. The southern kingdom is like a roller coaster. They have some really good kings, and they got some real bad ones, some real schnooks, if you want to call them something. They're I like schnooks. that. Schnooks. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to start using that regularly. Some of them, they follow the Lord, and they do the right thing. You probably recognize some of their names. Hezekiah yeah. is one of these. Josiah is another. And then there's some really bad ones. The worst of them was Manasseh. And so they're kind of going up and down on this roller coaster. Well, that's what's happening uh, right before the times of Jehoiada, because there is a king that comes to the throne by the name of Ahaziah. He's a descendant of David. He's part of this promise. 
a king on the throne of Israel forever, but he's evil. He comes to the throne at 22. He only lasts one year before he's killed. And this is because God kills him because he did not follow the Lord. But he had a really nasty mother by the name of Athaliah. Athaliah was actually a daughter of one of the northern kings, Omri, and she was an idolater and really wicked, and she led Ahaziah to do really bad things. So, But when her son is killed, Athaliah, she slaughters all of the crown princes in Judah, all the descendants of David. And you go, at that point, you go, oh, my shattered nerves. The promise is going to be broken to David if she kills all the heirs. But this is where Jehoiada comes into the picture, where he rescues one of those heirs. In fact, his wife helps him uh, with this, and uh, we can talk about that more now when we get into Jehoiada's life. But I want to make a point that Jehoiada was a man for his times. Hmm. This guy filled a great need for God, and he was recognized for it. Uh, We'll find at the end of his life when he dies, he is buried by the people. He is buried in the tombs of the kings in Jerusalem, because the writer of Chronicles says, because because he served God well, mm. and they recognized it. So it just makes you excited to see you've got this terrible situation with Athaliah, but here comes God's people to save the day for that generation. There's already a cliffhanger. It is. It's, yeah. it's got all kinds of intrigue. It well, reads a little bit like European history on my, some level, my but my it's are scriptures. shattered already. I know they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's, um, before we go to break here, I want to I'm going to learn a little bit about uh, Jehoiada, and just, Mark, if you would, just take a minute to describe what his name means. Yeah, the name Jehoiada is put together from two Hebrew words, the name for Yahweh, or sometimes we call it Jehovah, although that's not the best way to say that. Uh, Jehoiada, Yeho, Yahweh, it's the same consonants as Yahweh, and then the Hebrew word Yada, uh, some people might recognize, it's used very commonly in the Old Testament, and it's the word to know. So, literally, the word Yehoiada means God knows. And he is a very special person because he is part of the Levitical priesthood in Israel. And we probably have to talk about that a little bit as well, because you all know what priest means, right? That the word priest is a fancy word for a mediator or a go-between. And God set this up through Moses and the law with Aaron, his brother. They were Levites and they were priests. They they were the go-betweens between God and the people. And after that, the descendants of uh, the Levites went down through the centuries, and they were the ones who served as priests in the temple, instructing the people, praying on their behalf, Con, uh, uh, conducting the sacrifices for sin so they could have a sense of forgiveness. Very important role. And so Jehoiada is a priest. He's called Jehoiada the priest, but he uh, there's little debate because it's not crystal clear in the Old Testament whether he was a high priest because there was one priest that was designated as the priest for the whole nation over the rest of the priests. Moses was this, oh, I'm sorry, Aaron was this, was the first high priest. And another one that really stands out is Ezra. Ezra's not going to live for another mm, 300 years after Jehoiada. But when you read the book of Ezra, he is also called Ezra the priest. And there's no question he was the high priest Mm -hmm. at that time. So 
probably Jehoiada is the high priest. But can you imagine being this high priest and seeing everything collapsing around you with idolatry taking over? The king is not supportive. And even worse, here you've got this wicked woman now that has grabbed the throne in Judah Mm -hmm. and is murders all these crown princes. So he was in a very difficult situation. Uh, circumstance. So, Mark, if I do a search for Jehoiada in the Bible, am I going to find more than one? There's a few, yes. There are. Yep. The main story about Jehoiada that we're talking about is in uh, 1 Kings, and I don't have the exact chapters down. Uh, the, the more complete narrative starts in about Second Chronicles 21, and it goes through chapter 24. And so you're going you're gonna to read about other people in there, but this is where Jehoiada comes into okay. the scene. And I just want to spell it, J E H. O I A D A. Yeah, D A. Yohayada. Yohayada. I'll get Just it right put by those the end of the two hour. down. <laughs> Think Yaho and then Yada. Yaho Yada. Yada. Okay. All right. Dr. Mark Muska is joining Dr. Peter Kapsner and I. We're in our Old Testament studies, and Yohayada is our topic of discussion. We'll be right back. For Dr. Mark Muska and uh, Peter Kapner is joining me as well today. And Peter, tell our listeners who we're talking about today. <laughs> I don't know. I, oh, I don't know on. if it's a hard J or a soft man. Yehudaya. What did you say? I don't know. J, 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 J. How, how am I saying this today, Mark? Yeho Yada. Yeho Yada. Yeho And that means God. Uh, it was God knows. knows. God knows. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you appreciate me, don't you, Peter? I do. Yeah. I feel like a schnook, Bill. Kinda, I feel, feel like a schnook. Yeah, yeah I'm going to use that you word, know. too. Yeah, that's a solid word. Somebody cuts you off in traffic? What? I'm you know? telling you, you are not a schnook. These guys were, <laughs> re- they were really bad. Right, it's one thing to be bad. It's another thing to take a whole nation down with you. Yeah, I agree. That's true. I agree. So, all right, um, let's continue. Okay. So, I mean, we can read a couple of passages let's. here that of what we were describing. I'm in Second Chronicles 22. And uh, in the last three verses there, in verse 10, it says, Now when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she rose and destroyed all the royal offspring of the house of Judah. Wow. Mm. But Jehoshabeth, the king's daughter, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him uh, from among the king's sons who were being put to death and placed him and his nurse in the bedroom. This kid was probably one-year-old. He was just a baby, okay? Uh, so Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, these, these two are a pair, that she, uh, the, the priest, for she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah so that she would not put him to death. 
And where did they hide him? He was hidden with them in the house of God. Six years why Athaliah reigned over the land. Great idea. Athaliah has no interest in the temple, so stick him in there. He's going to be safe in there. Mm-hmm. So uh, this kid grows up. First six, seven years of his life is in the temple. So uh, he's protected. She thinks she's done it here. And uh, uh, there's even speculation. I was reading one guy in preparation for this today that just thought that because she was a daughter of Omri, that this may have been a claim that Omri's line then would come and take control of the southern kingdom as well if her son had died and all the heirs had died. And so I'm not sure about that. That's a little bit too much political intrigue for me. But it was serious. And anybody who understood that promise to David had to just have been shocked by this, that these these crowned heirs were were killed like this. So anyway, so now after this kid gets old enough to serve as king, at least with a regent in him in chapter 23, this is where Jehoiada does his thing. And it's it's really fun to see what he does. I just jotted all this stuff down so I wouldn't forget anything. So uh, he and his wife nurture Joash for six years in the temple. And now in chapter 23, here we go. He comes and he first gathers together the military leaders and the Levites, the priests. Listen to what it says. Jehoiada. Okay. Okay. Listen to what it says. Now in the seventh year of Jehoiada, strengthened himself and took captains of hundreds. And then he names them here. Azariah, the son of Jehoram, Ishmael, the son of Johanan, and so forth and so on. All these commanders, he says, they went throughout Judah and gathered the Levites from all the cities of Judah and the heads of the father's households of Israel. And they came to Jerusalem. So this is called bringing your forces together mm-hmm. to make his move. So he gets all of them together, and when he does, in verse 3, I love this guy. He makes a covenant. A covenant is a fancy word for making a promise or making a bond here. And in verse 3 of chapter 23, Jehoiada makes a covenant with Joash here. Uh, listen to how it says it. Then all the assembly made a covenant with the king in the house of God. Can you picture that scene? Mm. All these military... Men, you know, in today's language, generals, colonels, admirals, that kind of thing. They're with the priests in the temple in Jerusalem, and they make this covenant with the king. And Jehoiada said to them, Behold, the king's son shall reign as the Lord has spoken concerning the sons of David. So you better believe it that Jehoiada knew how important this was to see this line continued from something that had happened 200 years earlier with David, that promise there. But it was still fresh enough in his mind. So then they make their their plot, they set it together, and now uh, through the next few verses, they set it up for Joash now to be recognized as the king. And it's it's really kind of fun. I mean, I wish we made movies out of this stuff. I may be just an Old Testament nerd, but it, it just sounds like this would just be fun to put this on film. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 8 here. It says, So the Levites and all Judah did according to all that Je- Jehoiada the priest commanded, and each one of them took his men who were to come in on the Sabbath with those who are to go out on the Sabbath. For Jehoiada the priest did not dismiss any of the divisions. Then Jehoiada the priest gave to the captains of hundreds the spears and the large and small shields which had been King David's, which were in the house of God. 
Can you imagine taking this, knowing this was the baddest warrior that Israel ever had, and his men used these? David mm, wow. might have been 120 pound weakling. You didn't want to fight David. He always won with God <laughs> on his side. So they bring all his weapons out, and they're taking it. To verse 10, he stationed all the people, each man with his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the house to the left side of the house, the temple, by the altar and by the house around the king. And now here we go, verse 11. Then they brought out the king's son and put the crown on him and gave him the testimony and made him king. And Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, long live the king. Mm. Wow. Because that was the priest's role. Remember, the prophet Samuel did this with David himself. He anointed him as king. And so uh, Jehoiada uh, puts him in this in the midst of all these men there. I just love trying to visualize that, that crowning there. Well, Athaliah hasn't gone anywhere, so she hears all this ruckus, and the passage continues in verse 12. It's okay if I read this. It's much better to read it than for me to try to describe Mm -hmm. it. And so verse 12, next verse, it says, When Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came into the house of the Lord to the people. She looked, and behold, the king was standing by his pillar at the entrance And the captains and the trumpeters were beside the king, and all the peoples of the land rejoiced and blew trumpets, the singers and their musical instruments leading the praise. Then Athaliah tore her robes and said, Treason, treason. But then Jehoiada the priest brought out the captains of hundreds who were appointed over the army and said to them, Bring her out between the ranks, and whoever follows her, put to death with the sword. For the priest said, Let her not be put to death in the house of the Lord. House of the Lord was supposed to be a place of peace. Remember that? Mm-hmm. David wasn't allowed to build it because he was a man of blood. His son had to do it because he was a man of peace. So they weren't going to kill her in the temple. So take her out. And so next verse, so they seized her, and when she arrived at the entrance of the the horse gate of the king's house, they put her to death there. So, wow, talk about justice. You know, you can clean your hands there. And, you know, in 21st century terms, this sounds awfully ruthless and awfully bloody. Uh, we, it's easy for us to sit on our high horses and look down on this barbarity here of what's going on. I think we better step back from that and take another look. This is significant here that blood has been shed to get them in this evil situation they're in, and blood is going to be shed to resolve it. And Jehoiada himself, understands this and makes it happen. So it's it's really quite uh, it's quite impressive what yeah. happens. Yeah, I just think that the, these stories are so unfamiliar, but we don't have movies about them and we don't know, have we don't. we don't have popular books about them. To, but this is every bit as intriguing as the story of Samson or Solomon or maybe some of the more familiar characters. In fact, even more so in some ways. Yeah, let's pick it up after a, a short break. Hey Rosie, I think you've got a little message on the women's the women's set apart conference coming up. You know a lot about that. I do. I do. I'm on the committee, and we have, it's a great conference. Uh, Susie Larson, our own Susie Larson, is going to be a keynote. So is Rebecca Lyons. Carmen um, LaVerge is also a featured speaker, as is Nina Barnes. And it's a great retreat. Um, Give yourself, that's the whole part of Set Apart, is give yourself an opportunity to rest with the Lord. And uh, the theme this year is God Sustains Us, March 4th and 5th. 4th and 5th. And so they can go and sign up if you are interested in a retreat and time with the Lord. Um, it's been going on for 40 years, so a great conference. Uh, so go sign up at setapartconference.com. Thank you. We'll uh, be right back with Dr. Mark Muska and Dr. Peter Kaffner. 
People in the Old Testament today, our special guest is Jehoiada, and our, our teacher is Dr. Mark Muska, and Peter Kapster and I are thrilled to learn so much about a person that at the beginning of the hour we knew next to nothing about. <laughs> and you're not alone on that. Okay, I, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I was, we were saying at the break, you hear some of these um, names that are difficult to pronounce, and you can feel like you're in a little bit of an Old Testament fog, and it's sometimes hard to cut through. Who these people are. Well, and I think even some of the backstory that, Mark, you gave us at the top of this hour just gives us some context to place some of these names because when you just crack open the book of Kings or Chronicles and you, and you start trying to read through and you don't understand, Mark, what you just said, that it's weaving back and forth between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom and trying to place these names, it gets really overwhelming to try to read these stories. It does. It does. And, you know, though, I, I, uh, I think we have to recognize something, too, that when it comes to history, things fade into the past pretty fast. So, I mean, you look, let's just go back 80 years, and one of the heroes in the United States back in the 1940s during World War II was Douglas MacArthur. And I would guess today, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 People oh, under 25 would not know who yeah, he is. for sure. Yeah. For sure. And so it doesn't take long for this yeah. stuff to go back. Yeah, so true. Uh, that's why, you know, my family, we've always been compelled with history. My wife and I love it. And all three of our kids were history majors here at Northwestern. I mean, they were really captured by this. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the flesh and blood of the Bible's teaching. It's not pronouncements. It's not five-point outlines. It's people living their lives. And uh, even somebody like Jehoiada here, uh, he wasn't perfect. Uh, We can get into this a little bit of what happened next here, but uh, there's, uh, there's, everybody seems to have uh, their uh, great uh, uh, stellar things, but then also uh, their blind spots, their weaknesses too. And that just makes them more real to me Mm -hmm. that uh, we have to, we have to acknowledge that because every time I look in the mirror, I see the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's a little troubling yeah. at times, but it's more comforting to know I'm I'm among fellow human beings. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. If you just jumped in your car or just tuned in, we're talking about Jehoiada, and I'll spell it for you: J E H O I A D A. We learn about him in Second Kings chapters eleven and twelve. Mm-hmm. So there's a little context for you. Mm-hmm. So what did happen next, Mark? Well, it's it's just awesome. He makes this covenant with the commanders, the Levites, the people, and uh, Athaliah is put down, this awful, idolatrous, evil, wicked uh, monarch is put to death. And now there's reforms that take place in the southern kingdom. And it's wonderful what happens. Uh, next verse here in Second Chronicles 23, it says, Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and all the people and the king, that they would be the Lord's people. Is that the greatest or what? That Jehoiada, he's not just a political hack here that wants to get the right political leader up there so the people will respect him and everything. Notice what it says there. This is a covenant between the people and Jehoiada and the king with the Lord. He is their hope. He is the one who is the ruler over Israel. They forgot that sometimes. When they first started this national relationship with God, back with Moses and then during the times of uh, Joshua and uh, Judges, and then uh, uh, it's uh, ending with uh, 1 Samuel, uh, they did not have a human king. 
God was their king. He said, I'm your king. Uh, You're my people. And it was because of the catastrophic failure of the people to be able to live under that, that human kings finally came along. And now it would be very easy for these people to start thinking, well, you know, Joash, he's the man now, or maybe Jehoiada, something like that. And this priest is smart enough to say, no, 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 you you got means, servant, master, the king, the one who rules over us is God Almighty himself. And uh, you want to talk about any applications of that today, friends, in society with politics and economics and social turmoil and everything? Uh, Boy, I I like this kind of reminder (laughs) that we have a king that uh, rules over the earth I love the way Proverbs says it, where the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it any which way he wishes, mm-hmm. uh, that he is in control of the nations. You, you want some great proof of that? Just go read the book of Daniel, the first six chapters or so. Uh, God made it perfectly clear to Nebuchadnezzar, the man of his times, that he was the one in control. So anyway, they make this covenant, and then they go to the house of the Lord. The next verse, all the people went to the house of the Lord, to, uh, a house of Baal, I'm sorry, This the, the idol there, they tore it down, they broke into pieces his altars and his images, and they killed the priests of Baal before the altars. Uh, they cleaned up the house of the Lord, gave the little Levitical priests their authority again within the, the, the uh, uh, temple, and it's like, ah, th- this is kind of cool. You know, it looks like the sun just came up here, you know, that we're seeing something we haven't seen for a while with all of this darkness that came about uh, with Athaliah and uh, what happened before that. So these reforms are uh, really significant. Uh, Verse 19 of chapter 23, uh, Jehoiada stationed the gatekeepers of the house of the Lord so that no one would enter who was in any way unclean. He took the captains of hundreds the nobles, the rulers of the people, and all the people of the land, and brought the king down from the house of the Lord, and came through the upper gate to the king's house, and they placed the king upon the royal throne. Ta-da! You know, musical climax there. Mm-hmm. Here we go. This is the way it's it's supposed to be. This southern kingdom of Judah is going to thrive with a son of David on their throne who acknowledges God and follows him. That's going to be really good news for uh, this kingdom. It's almost like there's a proverb during this time of the kings that as the king goes, so goes the nation. When they have a good king that serves the Lord and follows him and is conscientious, the nation flourishes. When they have a, a, a schnook, the, this, <laughs> the nation suffers. They get conquered and all mm-hmm. kinds of bad things happen to them. So yeah. this is some welcome sunshine when it's been cloudy for a long time in Judah. So, and then the passage ends, you know, the king is on his throne, verse 21. So all the people of the land rejoiced and the city, Jerusalem, was quiet. Isn't that the greatest? Quite a great description. Quiet. Yeah. No more turmoil. Yeah. This reminds me of dads. You heard the old joke about dads, right? Dads don't care about justice. They just want quiet. <laughs> and, right. and so this is great. The people, there's peace in the city. There's quiet. For they had put Athaliah to death with the sword. So, so much of this turmoil has been dealt with. Really, really good. 
What was life like for them prior to that? Not just under Athaliah, but uh, you had referenced the Manasseh prior to that and just some of the evil that was there and and following Baal. What was even like to follow Baal at that time? Idolatry all over the place. Remember, Manasseh is going to come significantly later than this, though, that Manasseh doesn't come on the scene until after the northern kingdom is wiped out. Right, okay. So he's way down there. In fact, uh, Manasseh, how does it go again? I think the line is that Hezekiah is king, but then Manasseh is his son. So about the best they had after David was about the worst. And then after Manasseh, Josiah was king. And so it went, reep, and I, I shouldn't do that on radio, right? That's okay. It went up, 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 and then down, 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 down. Yeah. And then up, 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 up again. You know, the world's scariest roller coaster yeah. with just three kings there. So, but this is just kind of the signs of the times. Hmm. But when it was bad, uh, we have to qualify this as well, though, as well, that as the king goes, so goes the nation in general. But you've got to know with Athaliah there, you've got people that still love the Lord and are still following him hmm. and keeping the law to the best of their abilities. I mean, here you've got Jehoiada and his wife are, are good examples of that. So there are still faithful people in the land, but they just don't have any kind of influence to speak of because uh, they're being ruled by these evil people. And the counter is is the same as well. When they have a schnook as the king, there uh, is, uh, I'm sorry, when they have a really good king like Hezekiah or Josiah, there's still going to be people that are idolatrous and rebellious, but they have to stay undercover. To, mm. to to keep that hidden. So it's never all completely great or all completely bad. But this is significant, that the city is at peace. It's at quiet. The king is on his throne. Je- Jehoiada has done his work here to get the king, the rightful king, on the throne. So we can talk about more about that. Do you want to keep going here? To, so, I do. I, uh-huh. When we talk about the, the rightful king, let's name him right now. Who's that now? Name the king. Joash. Joash. Yes. Now let's talk about that because he assumed the the king when he, the role of king when he was seven. Yes. That's going to be a, a hard sell for a lot of people. Well, this is where you have very common all over the world, not just in Israel, but they would have a regent during this time. And in fact, it shows up here in the next chapter, the first verse. It says, Joash was seven years old when he became king and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name uh, uh, was uh, Zibia uh, from Beersheba. Uh, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Okay. Jehoiada, listen to this, Jehoiada took two wives for Joash, and he became the father of sons and daughters. So he even arranged their marriages for this kid. So he was under the influence of Jehoiada. Okay. That's very helpful. So I appreciate you. And who's going to take that on? You know, that Jehoiada has been their deliverer here from all of this. So they're not going to cross him when he wants to have this influence on the king. Was there a point then when he would have given over the decisions and and the commands to Joash as the king? Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. uh, You know, that's a tricky question to say at what age was Joash starting to make his own decisions or maybe even disagreeing with Jehoiada on certain things. So uh, that interplay, that sounds like a typical family, you know, where you (laughs) are bucking it and you know when we and we laugh at it and we don't like it but we really do like it because they do have to become independent and make their own decisions and step into their life themselves they can't just rely upon uh the older uh jehoiada here to guide him he's he's got to step out Hmm. when he does it gets a little bit uh different so 
But anyway, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is significant. And now, even with Jehoiada and the priests, though, they were going to fix the temple up, but they didn't really do it as fast and as quickly as they should. And Joash has to confront Jehoiada about this. He says, why aren't these repairs of the temple done? So they had to refinance the whole thing to make sure they had enough money given by the people so they could finish the the temple's repairs and that they put a chest outside the gate of the temple and people would come and throw money in it. It was like Joash box. Yeah, it was like a giant piggy <laughs> bank yeah. there, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to finance this. And the people came through and they had enough money to uh, be able to finish this. So it was it was good that uh, Joash started to step up here as king. Hmm. All right, I think... Let's do some concluding to uh, Jehoiada when we come back. Dr. Mark Muska is our guest, and he is uh, joining Peter Kapsner and I as we're continuing our study on Old Testament characters. We've gone through a number of them, but this is uh, one that I am learning a lot about. I don't know much about Jehoiada, and I spell it J-E-O-H-I-A. Get an H in there. J-E-H. J-E-O-H. J-E-H-O. I'm sorry. J-E-O-H-I-A-D. <laughs> All right. I feel like I'm watching a game show right now between the two of you. I'm doing good today. <laughs> Peter, do you want to give it a crack? Here yeah, no, I, I'm good. You guys <laughs> seem to be just, you know, yeah. muddle along just fine. Okay, J-E-H-O-I-A-D-A. There you go. There it is. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. Mm-hmm. I had some dental work today, just so you know. Yeah, you're kind of tongue-tangled. I had a crown put in this morning. Did you really? Yeah, I did. did yeah. Oh. Hmm. Side of my head. Right you're a gamer, now. though. You're, no, not, you're yeah, a gamer. here I am. I know. I'm committed. You're yeah, not going right. to be king or anything, are no, you? No, I'm grown. I'm not. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Got to be sure. <laughs> Next up, uh, more on Jehoiada. So my. To see the pro over there get get tang tumbled. Yeah. Well, you had the Novocaine half the day, didn't you? So. to learn about Jehoiada. We're learning it today from Dr. Mark Muska. Peter Kapsner and I are finding out that we don't know much about Jehoiada, but we're learning a lot. We know more than uh, 43 minutes ago. Yeah, for sure. Do. It's been quite a story. So, Mark, let's talk a little bit about idolatry and, and the application to today. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, uh, sometimes we look down our noses at these people. We think they're so stupid and uh, superstitious and all this to be bowing down before statues of gods that look weird, you know, that they'll have wings or they look like lizards or something. And, oh, they were they were such, you know, dopes back there. We're, we're so much more sophisticated today. <laughs> and uh, I, I think we got to be careful about that because um, uh, idolatry, you know, I really depend a lot on an old pastor that's been dead for about 70 years now, 
by the name of A.W. Tozer. Uh, many of you have read his mm-hmm. stuff, and uh, arguably his best writing that I've ever read is his book on the attributes of God, where he talks about the knowledge of the holy is the name of the book, where each chapter, it's a devotional, each chapter is on an attribute of God. But he starts that book out by talking about how we must think about God rightly. And he gets into idolatry, and he says that uh, the essence of idolatry is thinking thoughts about God that are not worthy of him. And that, you can sit and think about yeah, that one. Yeah, can you say that again? Wow. That was yeah. really good. Yeah. The again. essence of idolatry is thinking thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. Wow. And that he said, and when we are idolaters, we make gods for ourselves. And sometimes we even contort the God of the Bible into this God that we can manage. And that one, I don't like to think about that because it's too convicting that, you know, just exactly who is in control, because the essence of the foolishness of idolatry, of course, is you make a stone statue and then you bow down in front of it. Isaiah has a great time ridiculing these idolaters about that. You know, the thing can't talk, it can't answer (laughs) to you, but, and who made it? You made the dumb thing, and now you're going to bow down in front of it? Talk about the most absurd thing in the world, but that's exactly how it works. We want to have the control over uh, God. It doesn't have to be stone or wood. It can be the thoughts that we entertain about God and who he is. Oh, my God wouldn't do this or that, or my God is this or that. I hope you think twice before you say things like that, because I don't care who your God is. I want to know about the God of the Bible who has revealed himself and to accept him and to know him with even the stuff that's really hard to take, like him sanctioning this murdering of Athaliah and all these people that were idolaters. Wow, is that murder? Is this God's justice being taken out? I don't know about you, that puts a frown on my face. I have I have trouble with that, but if I, I just can't write it out of the Bible because I struggle with it, because my God would never do anything like that. Well, what God is your God then? Is he the God of the Bible, or have you made one up for yourself? Mm. So uh, this is, uh, you know, it is a 21st century uh, thing as well. And uh, I don't even want to get into it as far as what I think the idol of America is because I'll get hate mail. And so you just have <laughs> no, to I'll talk to me mail. in person. <laughs> yeah. yeah they'll Rosie find, and I get hate mail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll find me yeah. too. Yeah. So, that no, guy I, you had on. Yeah. I'm not going to get into <laughs> it. So, but this is very interesting, though, with Jehoiada because he does serve well here. But you know what? Everybody's time comes and Jehoiada grows old and he dies. And so we read about this, and it says here uh, in Second uh, Chronicles twenty four fifteen. it says, Now when Jehoiada reached a ripe old age, he died. He was 130 years old at his death. And then look what they do, verse 16. They buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done well in Israel and to God and his house. They honored him by putting wow. him in with the kings of Israel. And, uh, he's, a, he's a priest. He's not a king. There were some kings they didn't bury in the tombs of the kings because they were schnooks. They, they weren't going to put him in there. This would be an honor. This is along the lines of Arlington Cemetery here mm-hmm. in the United mm-hmm. States. That is an honor for those who have distinguished themselves in the United States. So uh, they buried him there. But then look what happens. 
this is the way history runs, unfortunately. He's dead. They bury him. He's done good for God and his house. Next verse. But after the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and bowed down to the king, to Joash, and the king listened to them. They abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the Asherim and the idols. So wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this, their guilt. Yet God sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord. Though they testified against them, they would not listen. That's just crazy. But it's indicative of the human heart. We are so fickle. We can turn so fast. And now what's really tragic, the next verse Then the Spirit of God came on Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest. And he stood above the people and said to them, Thus God has said, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord and do not prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has also forsaken you. This is Jehoiada's son, Hmm. Zechariah the prophet. And he says, Then the narrative keeps on. So they conspired against Zechariah, and at the command of the king, they stoned him to death in the court of the house of the Lord. Hmm. They murdered him, and they did it in the temple. They should have known better than to do that. That is just awful. It says, Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which his father Jehoiada had shown him, but he murdered his son. And as he died, Zechariah said, Make the Lord see and avenge. So, wow, it turns. As soon as this influence is gone, Joash is lured and he's led astray. Same thing with Solomon and his wives and their idolatry that lured him away from the Lord later in his life. And you know what? Next thing that happens, it talks about Aram, which is Syria, comes in and kicks the, 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 the stuffing out of Judah. They're defeated in battle. They're back to their old thing of being susceptible to these other nations. The whole thing gets turned around here after the death of Jehoiada. So really makes really makes me think, you know, yeah. how do we persevere? Yeah, what's our takeaway this? here, Mark? Well, what does it take for us to see the faith passed on? I don't know what your opinions are. I, I haven't talked to you, Peter, about this at all. But uh, it seems as though uh, the church today is in a crisis point as far as the vitality and the reality of the, the, the faith in Jesus being continued in the younger generations. I don't think they're exactly rebelling against Christ, but they're not really excited about what the church is doing for the most part. There's some exceptions, thank the Lord, but there's there's a real struggle there. And I'm old enough to remember this. I don't think you guys are, but the uh, same thing was happening when I was a kid with the whole counterculture revolution in the 60s and 70s and how there was a massive move away from the church by the young people of that age, including me, that I didn't want to attend church anymore. I was I was tired of it all. But then God came in with a new a new movement, and we saw this happen uh, mainly through a lot of uh, parachurch ministries like the Navigators and Campus Crusade for Christ and that, and there's a whole wave that came in. And so I'm wondering if we're standing on the threshold of something like that now in the 20s, that whatever it's going to take, that God is going to renew his people and his kingdom, and we're going to see a great turnaround from a real struggle here 
to sustain this and keep it going. Yeah, Mark, I think stories like this that we've gone through in this last hour with you are exactly that kind of story for today. I see the same thing that you're seeing is that yeah. the, the church as it has existed hasn't always been a bad thing, but there is a, there's a, a, a sort of decline happening, but you can also sort of sense the seeds of renewal coming. It yep. just will probably take on a different shape yep. with the next generation. It's always unpredictable. It and is. each generation has to work it out for themselves. They have to take the old, old story and the same message of the gospel and bring it into their life that they're living that's not the same life that I lived right. when I was their age. Right. Mark, are you one of those people that like positive affirmation? Um, here, here I suppose. Here if you're going to criticize me, I might cry. No, that's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this show is phenomenal. I'm enjoying it so much. What was oh, the book he mentioned by A.W. Tozer? A.W. Tozer, it's a little devotional book. I think you can still get it on Amazon. I bet it's on in print yet, though, because people still read it. Yeah. It's called The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. That is a special devotional. Yeah, yeah. you want to spend a couple months with an author, and well, specifically that book, Tozer, yeah. is at the top of the list. Well, he writes his devotionals. They're 31 chapters, and so you can do them for a month and mm. read one chapter a day. And yeah. it really, you can't take more of him than that no, because sure. he knocks you over the head. In fact, we should give a warning that if you want to be coddled by Tozer and feel good about yourself, <laughs> don't read him. He's going to kick you in the pants. Yeah. Uh, he is an exhorter. He will make you uncomfortable with, with yourself. Yeah. So be mm-hmm. careful and, about reading him. Jim said, hi, Bill. Wow. I really enjoyed Mark Muska talking about Jehoiada. Isn't that fun to got, get into a guy like this? It's got to really, go back and listen again. Yeah. yeah. It's just fun. It's really fun. And you've made it mm-hmm. fun. So thank you so much for sure. uh, taking time to do this. Sure. And uh, thank you for um, when I asked if you would do this, you instantly had someone very interesting to talk about. Yeah. Well, Some, I like this guy. I know you do. And, and he was, doesn't get much it press. Sh- it shows. Yeah. He doesn't show up in the New Testament either. What's the matter with those guys? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Why didn't he show up in Hebrews 11, you we'll know, take, at that's least? Right. We'll take so that up next time. Right. Yes, right. indeed. Mm-hmm. That's all the time we have for today. I want to encourage you to go to MyFaithRadio.com and check out the podcast if you missed any of today's show. I've loved being with you. I want to thank uh, Jay Warner Wallace and Dr. Mark Muska and my friend Dr. Peter Kapsner for staying with me both hours. It's been a delight, and I hope you have a great night, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.